Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, January the 10th, 2024. It is currently 6.11 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, how did it go today? Do you have a lot of notes or just a few notes? Do you have much to say or little to say? Are you enlightened or are you confused? Because today was Psalm 8 day. All, all of today was about Psalm chapter 8. You were supposed to be listening to at least one sermon on Psalm chapter 8, and you were to consider it, and you were to consider the, the sermon in light of what we talked about last night. We talked about last night how to understand a chapter of the Bible. And I put forth a hypothesis that I still stand by. I don't think everyone quite understood what I was trying to say. And I think some people try to kind of put forth an idea that I'm like, I don't, that's not really what I'm trying to say. I don't think you're getting it. So I'm going to try to clarify it one more time. Last night, I put forth this hypothesis about preaching and teaching and how it can have a blinding, almost a negative impact on us understanding chapters of the Bible. Because it's the very nature of preaching, it's the very nature of teaching, and then you could add devotionals in there as well. They actually keep us from understanding the chap chapter as a whole, because we are so focused on the individual parts. Again, I don't know what your church is currently teaching on. I have no idea. But if you were to tell me what your church is currently teaching on right now, now, unless it's topical, if it's not topical, if it's, hey, we're, we're, we were, we were working on Philippians chapter two, or we were working on Philippians chapter four, or we were working on Romans chapter three, even, even if it's not going through the book, if you're just working on a chapter, you know, and I know, unless your church is one of those that covers an entire chapter in one message. Well, even in that case, even in churches where they will cover an entire chapter in one sermon, it's almost inevitable that something happens like this. The pastor has to take that chapter, and even though he may say, okay, this chapter is about this, even if he may mention it, even if he may talk about it, inevitably now he's going to start reading the verses and then he's going to focus on uh, just a few of those verses to build his sermon. Even if he breaks the whole chapter down into say three parts or four parts and his outline really is makes up or, or at least contains every verse of the chapter, you're going to focus on these individual points of the sermon. Right? So when the sermon is over, you're going to have a, you're going to, you're going to walk away with, here were the points of the sermon. Here was the application. Here was an illustration he told. But if I really press you, no, explain to me what the chapter is about. Explain to me what this chapter is about. There's a tendency that you don't really understand the chapter. You just understand the individual parts. We see this in devotionals where it can be, they can take a devotional from anything and they will focus on one specific thing, one specific idea. 
So the meaning of the chapter, even though it may be talked about within the context of the sermon, it immediately gets pushed to the side because you as a listener, you're writing down the points. You may be writing down the, well, if you even take notes, you're writing down the points, you're writing down the points of application, and then you're going to leave thinking about a point from the sermon or maybe thinking about the applications, what you're going to do, should do, couldn't do, convicted, not convicted, you're guilty, you're not guilty, whatever you're feeling. But what is the chapter actually about? And so the reason we were talking about it is because we were listening to Ask Pastor John, uh, the podcast where people uh, ask uh, John Piper questions. I'm okay. But all right, we we could we could have a whole discussion about those kinds of programs because there's a lot of them. So in some ways they fascinate me, but we won't get into that. That'll be we'll be chasing a rabbit. We won't chase that rabbit right now, okay? But so they wrote someone wrote into a Pastor John to John Piper and basically is asking him, Hey, I, I love how you break down the verses. I love how you, but how do you understand really the totality of the chapter? And John Piper, he kind of gave his idea. And his idea was, you know, when you think of a chapter, think of it as like a 500-piece puzzle. Now, what you have to do is you have to pick up each individual piece of the puzzle, look at it, look at it, look at it, then look at another piece of the puzzle, see how they fit together, then put another one, and then slowly but surely you start putting them all together. And I disagreed with his approach. I'm like, to understand a chapter, you don't start with the individual pieces. You start with the totality of the chapter, and you read the chapter five, ten times, over and over and over and over. Then you try to give it a title, because now you're trying to summarize what you took away as the main thought of the chapter, because you were looking at it in its totality, right? Then you break down the contents of it, doing kind of an observational outline, not an interpretive outline. Now, by this point, you should understand what, and I kind of gave you a chapter summary method to consider. I took a different approach, but I still believe that there is an issue that so many times if you listen to sermons, you'll be like, okay, that was on Matthew 24 and you'll take away going, oh, here's this, this, uh, I think Matthew 24 is a great example. We did a Bible study exercise on it. That actually may be the greatest thing. That may prove my point better than any other chapter because people will take Matthew 24 They'll take Matthew 24 and immediately it turns into wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and, 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 and they immediately start applying it to maybe the second coming of Christ or the rapture or some future time. Well, when you're done, you think, well, Matthew 24 is about these specific signs. And you're like, no, no, Matthew 24, <laughs> the context is if you, if you know what the chapter is about, It's about the disciples asking Jesus when that temple was going to be destroyed. And Jesus begins to give them the signs that relate first and foremost in the context of the chapter and the narrative of the chapter, signs to look for leading up to the destruction of the temple, which occurred in 70 AD. But for some weird reason, pastors get away with like, hey, don't even look at the totality of the chapter. Let's look at these individual parts. Let's look at these individual parts. People do it in the Sermon on the Mount. Instead of trying to figure out what the sermon is really about and what it's actually doing, we just break down these individual parts of the sermon. And then it becomes a a study of morality or law. And you need to do this and you need to, and you're like, well, wait, is that really the purpose of the whole sermon? Over and over, we, we, because preaching is like that. We can go like, I'm going to take you through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. And I may even try to remind you over and over what 1 Corinthians is about. But even if I'm trying to do that, it's going to be these it's going to be these individual sections 
And then those sections are going to be standalone sermons that have a beginning and an end. They're going to have an introduction. They're going to have a body. They're going to have illustrations. They're going to have personal stories. They're going to have cross-references. And they're going to have points. And they're going to have application. And you're going to get so preoccupied with that that if I was to really pull you aside, okay, 1 Corinthians 1. What what is actually for? No, 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 no. Stop repeating points of sermons. What is the chapter about? The totality of the chapter. So I think you have to start with the chapter. Once you really grasp the chapter, then you can go to the individual parts. Because I don't think you can understand the individual parts correctly until you know what the chapter is about. Because once you know what the chapter is about, then you are equipped to interpret the verses. If you're looking at the individual verses apart from the chapter, you may be assigning interpretation to those verses that actually is disjointed and disconnected and is in disagreement with what the chapter is actually saying. You can't start with the individual part. You got to start with the, the totality of it. I think that's very, very important that we understand that. And I've said so many times, I think preaching just by its very nature, though especially the way it's done, sometimes actually keeps people from the text. You walk away with a sermon. You walk work, walk away maybe with some spiritual lessons. You walk away with a to-do list. You walk away convicted. You may walk away broken, hurt, and ashamed because of your sin. And those can all have positive things. I'm not saying every one of those things are negative. But what you may not have is an actual grasp of the text. So I challenged, I, I, so I kind of gave you, told you to work on Psalm chapter eight, think about it. And then today you were supposed to find sermons on Psalm chapter eight. That's what you were supposed to do. I don't know if it was beneficial. I don't know what you discovered. Did you discover these sermons that you can now say Psalm eight is about this? Or did you listen to sermons and you go, well, this was an interesting concept and you can talk about an individual part, but you still don't really know the meaning of the chapter. You know the, the meaning of a verse. Or you're like, oh, this verse is a cross-reference to this. And this was a prophecy of that. Or I think this. Okay, great. How does all of that fit in to the overall message of the chapter? So, so in a roundabout way, even though we didn't start off this way, this is one of the things I love about podcasting, is we've kind of just have found ourselves taking a slight detour that at least maybe for the next little while, I'm going to really, on your sermon challenge, remember we're part of the sermon challenge we're doing, is I'm going to have you, when you listen to these sermons, try to t- determine are they blinding you? Are they are they helping you understand what the chapter is about? Or do they ignore the chapter for the individual parts? And then you'd have to ask yourself, their interpretation they gave of the individual parts, does that agree with the actual meaning of the chapter? Or does it disagree with the meaning of the chapter? So here's what we're going to do this evening. It's going to be pretty quick, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I grabbed three sermons on Psalm chapter 8 randomly. I hit download. Didn't read about them, didn't do anything. These are the three that I chose, I think, late last night, maybe early this morning. I can't remember when. I downloaded them. I went from my iPad, where I downloaded them on the Sermons 2.0 app, over to uh, the uh, beta.sermonaudio.com website, looked those specific sermons up, downloaded them then, and downloaded them to the Mac, and have uploaded them to the studio software so that we can listen to them together. Now, there's no way we can review all three. There's just no way. 
but we were going to just go from one to another to another, right? Or we're going to go from one, then to another, then to another. We're not going to go back and forth, but we're going to get to all three. And we're just going to kind of see if we get a basic hypothesis of what they're going to do with Psalm 8, how they're going to approach it, and just kind of get a feel. And if you didn't listen to these, then you're going to get exposed to them. If uh, if you did not listen to them, or if you did, then you're going to hear me offering my own thoughts, and maybe they will agree with your thoughts or disagree with your thoughts. So are you ready? Here is the first one. Let me open up. Let me, let me open up my Sermons 2.0 app. The first one that we're going to listen to, this one is just called Psalm 8. Psalm 8 by uh, Pastor Brian Jones. That's the, that's the broadcaster. Pastor Brian Jones is the broadcaster. Psalm 8. All right. Psalm 8, Pastor Brian Jones. You should da- look, look for it yourself and download it. Now, it looks like this was, this, I, this has to be a devotional. This has to be a devotional because it looks extremely short. And guess what? And guess what? This may be a good example of exactly what I'm saying. Our devotional culture, which is so built into the Christian world, I think has blinded us to the meaning of the... Of the uh, maybe he's going to, in this devotional, give us the meaning of the whole chapter. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. So before I make any definitive statement, let's see if this goes the way of how many devotionals go, which I will argue and can prove to you, most devotionals blind us from the meaning of the chapter because it's only focused on the individual part. And then you take the individual part going, that's what that individual part means. Someone else comes along and go, well, wait a minute. Why, why are you interpreting it that way? Look at the totality of the chapter. And you're like, you don't even know what they're talking about because you're like, no, the chapter means this. You're like, no, no, no. That verse means that. What does the chapter mean? There's a difference. I think that leads to a lot of the conflict and confusion. But let's see what happens here. I have no idea. Remember, I don't listen to these in advance. Well, listen to these together. Here's the first one. If you're reading through the Old Testament with us this year, read Genesis 8, Ezra 8, and Psalm 8 today. This devotional is about Psalm 8, specifically verses 3 through 9, but let's read the entirety of Psalm 8 together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. From the mouths of children and infants you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries, to silence the enemy and avenger. When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler of the works of your hands. You have placed everything under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Okay, now before he says anything else, the question would be, What is Psalm 8 about? The chapter. Summarize to me the meaning of the chapter. What is the chapter about? Now, once you establish that, 
then as you go through the individual verses, those verses cannot dis be disconnected, disjointed, or be in disagreement or disunity with the meaning of the chapter. All of the meaning of the verses have to build to support and be in agreement with the meaning of the chapter. If there is disjointed, disconnected between the verse and the chapter, then you know your hermeneutic is wrong. That's a good, that's a sure way to test your work. Hey, I think this verse means this. What are you talking about? You know what the chapter is about? That would be complete. That would go completely against the argument of the chapter. The chapter is making this argument. You're making this verse say something that's in complete disagreement with the meaning of the chapter. You always have to start with the chapter. Then as you build the individual verses, they must be in agreement with the meaning of the chapter. That just seems like the way to go. Now, Let's see if he gives us the meaning of the chapter, or is he just going to take some verses, grab those verses, and not even... Now, devotionals do this all the time. Maybe he's going to approach it differently, but even he said he's only looking at Psalm 8, I think he said 3 through 9. So that immediately tells me he's not worried about the entirety of the chapter. He's worried about finding a section for a devotion, but I could be wrong. Let's see. This is God's Word. We look back at people who lived in the Old Testament times and think they were primitive. They didn't have electricity, indoor plumbing, or climate controls. The tools they had were crude, and they spent an inordinate amount of time just trying to stay alive by providing for each day's needs for themselves and their families. Secular people think they were even more crude than this. They think those people didn't understand mathematics or natural laws like gravity. They think that David and his contemporaries didn't even know what the sun and moon were, and some people from this time even worshipped those heavenly bodies as if they were gods. Here in Psalm 8, we see that David had a much better understanding of the physical world than we might expect. He knew that the sky he looked at in the night was showing him the heavens. We see that in verse 3 and that the lights he saw there were celestial bodies in the heavens, just as the earth was. In other words, he saw that the earth was not like the set of a movie, with everything above being an illusion or a prop. He knew that God had created a vast universe, in which the earth was just one planet. Now that we have telescopes and satellites, we see how vast the universe really is, and how small we really are in comparison. But David had a sense of it, which is why he marveled. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? With so much stuff in the material universe, why would God care about humanity as a group, much less the individuals in it? I once googled the Earth's population, and it was estimated at that time to be 7.6 billion people. I can't even begin to visualize that number much less think about knowing each person's name, each person's stories, everyone's thoughts, and so on. Yet God knows it all and cares about each of us individually. That's why David concluded this psalm with the words, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Nobody comes anywhere near his majesty. Let's take some time to worship him for his greatness, just as David did in this psalm. And I'll see you next time. May God bless you. I hope you have a great day today. 
Okay, there's the devotional. Now, let me make it, I got, I, I've got to keep stressing this. There is nothing wrong with devotional thoughts that can be very edifying, can be very spiritually beneficial, can put your mind and focus on the things of God. I am not criticizing that. I am saying, when you, when you listen to that, is that really, is Psalm 8 about simply, hey, ancient men knew more than we give them credit to do so? And isn't it awesome that out of 7.8 billion people or whatever the number was on earth, that God is mindful of us and that he cares for us? And, well, and, and, and God is great. Oh, well, those are maybe concepts within the chapter. Is that the overall theme of the chapter? Does the chapter have multiple themes? Or does all of that work together to get us to the overall meaning of the chapter? What is the overall meaning of the chapter? See, we, th- this, is, this is what we would do. See, so you could be listening to that devotional and you may take away one major point from that going, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. And, and praise God if it gives you a little bit of spiritual nourishment, not criticizing it. We are talking about this idea of are we missing out the meaning of chapters because we are so conditioned and lived, live in a world that focuses on the individual parts. So there it was, that's the first one, all right? So there we, we get, we get a lot of the individual parts. I don't know if we get, I don't know if we really get anything else. You can, you, I mean, you may disagree, but that's, that's what we got. So what's the next one? The next one is, let me pull it up on my iPad. Um, the next one is, what is man? I, you know what? I'll think, I'll hang on. Let me go. I got so many of them here. I don't know if that's the original one that I had. Okay, that's the one we just did. Hang on, I've got, I got so many here. Let me just keep going through them. All right, this one is called Teaching from Psalms, exclamation point. Teaching from Psalms, exclamation point. This one is Landmark Baptist Church, and the Bible text is Psalm 8. Teaching from Psalms, exclamation point, Landmark Baptist Church. Let's see how they approached Psalm 8. Let's approach this. Now, this is a side note. I am going to chase this rabbit a little bit. Sometimes I'm a little perplexed, <laughs> and here's why. Many of these broadcasters, they have churches that are probably four, five, six, seven, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty times the size of my church. In many cases, when I pull up their broadcast and I see their numbers, their, their sermons will have two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 15, 20 downloads. And some of those sermons will have been, already been like this one. This sermon was published almost a month ago, seven days short of being a month. It only has six downloads. How is that even humanly possible? Like you, you should have enough people in your church who is probably just missing that Sunday, who should have went back and listened. But sometimes what is bizarre, I've noticed this, sometimes the people within a church are the ones least likely to support the internet outreach of said church. They're posting their sermons, they're streaming, and people in the church won't literally support the sermon. Like how, 
I don't understand. If you're going to that church, support it, download it, stream it, share it. That's your church. Support your pastor. Okay, let him know that you're using the internet service. Like, there's just no way that, like, if you have a church of a hundred people, you you should be able to have more than six downloads just from the people within your church. I, I don't under I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Okay, but yeah, I'll, that's just baffling to me. That's baffling to me. Maybe it's a familiarity breeds contempt. Ah, I'll hear what he has to say next Sunday. Why am I going to go listen to the sermon I missed this Sunday? I don't know, because you go to that church and you want the consistency of the teaching of the church you go to? <laughs> maybe, right? I mean, like, maybe you want to know what's going on. So when next Sunday the pastor says, okay, we covered this. Oh, and I know for me, there's nothing that drives me like, uh, there's times I've almost went completely like I've lost my mind. I, I've, uh, I've heard people do this for me. I'm in the pulpit. I'm like, well, last week we covered, the, or I'll ask a question. I'm like, Nobody knows the answer. We covered this last week. And then someone inevitably will say, well, I wasn't here last week. <laughs> and, I, and sometimes I'm like, well, if only there was this thing that allowed people who weren't here to pick up their de- mobile device and listen to what they miss. I think that's called your phone Oh, and a podcast app or like, like, it's just insane. It's like, there's no excuse for you not like in any church. If you missed last Sunday, you should know the sermon from last Sunday because it's literally online. Like, I don't understand that. Like, like, I don't get it. It's like, well, you know, I missed it. Whatever. I'll I'll get to it next week. It's literally online, which then tells your church you value their teaching that little that you're not willing to go back. (laughs) Like that's. That I, I'll never, that blows my mind. That blows, and, and, and then what, and there's nothing worse when you've covered something the Sunday before, right? Maybe you've covered it for two weeks, maybe three weeks. You've covered it. You're kind of ready to move on. So then someone will show up who hasn't obviously listened to anything you've posted online. You start explaining it. And immediately you can tell they're getting frustrated or they start arguing with you. And you're like, it's, we've been talking about this for three weeks it's not my fault that you haven't been here. You could have listened to online instead of interrupting my sermon. You could have called me, right? There's, oh man, that stuff drives me crazy. So I'm, I'm just, the only reason I'm mentioning it is I'm looking at some of these things and I'm like, six downloads? You posted this sermon a month ago. How can you only have six downloads? How is that humanly possible? Hey guys, we got to get these, some of these messages, we need to get them greater numbers. We need to download them, Okay. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to sit here and download this like all night to get this up to like a hundred to help them out. That's God, that's going to be discouraging. That'd be discouraging to me. That'd be really, and I get discouraged sometimes with our numbers. Okay. But yeah. All right. So all right. Psalm 8, Psalm 8. See, see how distracted I got, but I can't, I can't help it. I was looking at the number and I just like, I kept turning the iPad <laughs> and do it. Like, am I reading this number correct? It's this number has got to be broken. This number has got to be broken. All right. Here we go. This is called Teaching the Psalms from Landmark Baptist Church. Published Sunday, December the 17th, 2023. And I guess they give this title, Great Lessons from the KJV Bible. That tells me that this is a KJV only uh, Bible, or a KJV Bible only church. So we will, um, we'll see what they have to say. I'm, I'm curious. Here we go. All right, we want to welcome everyone this uh, December the 17th. 
Hope I got that date right. <laughs> Lord's Day Sunday morning is pre-Christmas Eve Christmas Sunday. I know next Sunday is Christmas Eve. This will be the last service we'll have for Christmas Eve. But I'm so thankful that uh, Christmas includes Jesus. Matter of fact, it's all about Jesus. Amen. I got a blessing driving to church this morning, seeing a cross on the side of the road that was decorated like a Christmas tree. And I have to admit, I don't never want to lose sight of the Lord nor of the cross during Christmas time. And I guess it could be done. But uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, just that sight gave me a blessing. Sometimes a song, sometimes a sight, uh, sometimes even just a saying comes to your mind uh, that reminds you of that day when your sins were washed away, when that unspeakable gift came upon you. And boy, I tell you, what a wonderful thing it is to be born again saved, mm-hmm. to know you got a home in heaven. It's looking bad down here, but as bad as it looks down here, uh, it's looking better for us because it's got to get worse and worse under the coming of the Lord. Uh, okay, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know their structure. I don't know if this is a house church. I don't know. But there's clearly a kid running, running around. You can hear him like boom, 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 boom. The kid's running around. So because kids don't, you know, they don't care. So all right. It would be hard to preach like that. It would be hard with the kids running around. It would be hard. It would at least for me. Like I like I like kids in the sanctuary. I, I have no problem with that. I'm I'm open to that. But it can be sometimes you're like, oh, I'm trying to focus here. But obviously he's better at it than me. So let's see what happened. But it's just, I don't know if you could hear that. That You could hear the kid going, don't, 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 don't. And I don't know if he said daddy or something. He was doing something. And then you could hear the pastor like, I, I think he was either getting a little distracted. I don't know. Let's, let's see. What we want to know is Psalm 8 here. So let's see what we can find out. We know that day's coming. Yeah. And uh, it's, he's not going to delay his coming. Uh, I noticed on the internet last night that Elon Musk was saying the rapture's real and the rapture's near. And I praise God. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a man, I don't know, he's standing with God, but uh, he was putting emphasis on the fact there's a day that the Lord's going to come. And He is going to come. And you can find that real quickly in Hebrews chapter number 10. I think it's verse 17 said He won't delay. He's not going to tarry. Now go wait a little longer, Jesus. Let me make sure I got that verse right. We're, we want to put the truth out there, if you know what I mean. I, I don't want to misquote, and I did. I think uh, Wednesday night I mentioned about what must I do to be baptized instead of being born, being saved. But uh, it happens. Slip the tongue, it happens. Uh, our mind... Okay, I, I, I want Psalm 8. So... Elon Musk confirms the rapture is going to happen. Where? Okay. When, when I start doing a search for this, so, so I, I had to immediately, I had to immediately hit pause. I keep finding, I keep finding like there's videos on YouTube. All right. And, and so I'm going to click on this re- really quick. This was like two weeks ago. So it would be pretty close to the time he supposedly found it. All right, I'm going to turn the volume down really quick here. I'm going to turn the volume down. 
Okay, I'm gonna. This is because it's a commercial about some rice you put your feet in. I don't know what in the world that is. What in the world? All right, I would have to... I, okay, I will have to look at that. I have to look at that. I don't really quite know. It's not... Well, when you look at it, it's not like a source that you're sitting there going, ah, oh, like that. It's giving me one of those. It's giving me a little bit... I don't know if you could even hear that, but and a shocking twist. Elon Musk confirms that the rapture is... Like, so if, if Elon Musk says the rapture is going to happen, it, now, now he's the spokesman for Christianity. Like... That is weird. Like, I don't even understand. Like, and even he said, I don't know his standing with God. Well, then who cares what he says about the rapture? Like, okay, that, that, I, I don't know. I, look, I just wanted to hear about Psalm 8. I don't quite know what just took place there. I don't really know what just took place. That is weird. Okay. All right. Don't get sidetracked. Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is our mission. So this is what's fun about uh, doing these sermon challenges. We never know what we're going to find out. Okay. I got to, this is a, 20 minute video I found on YouTube. I, I got, I, I, yeah, maybe I'll have to download it and, and we'll have to do a, a review of it because what in the world is happening? Okay. All right. But let's, let's continue. I was right, but the word didn't come out right. But in Hebrews chapter number 10, it says, uh, verse 37. I got close. I said 17. For yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. On the calendar of God, Jesus is going to come on the day that they have already determined that time will be no more. No more time to get in church. No more time to get saved. And if that wasn't enough, uh, you got over here in Second Peter. We'll shut up. We want to get on our Sunday school lesson. But Second Peter chapter 3... Verse number 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come. It's coming. And I appreciate Elon Musk uh, making that statement. He's a man got a little bit of weight, got a little bit of worth. But uh, he said uh, the rapture's coming, and he said it's near. We'll get Brother Donnie up here. We're going to be teaching this morning out of Psalms chapter number 8. I don't understand. Unless, like... What is the deal with Elon Musk? That is weird. Weird, 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 weird. And I guess it's a big deal because it's all over the internet. So I don't know. I mean, but all the sources, I don't have like an actual like, they're all like, I don't, they like you, they seem like they're all YouTube channels all saying the same thing. Like I must have missed this. I must have been sleeping. But even if Elon Musk was to say, the rapture is real and it's going to happen tomorrow. Are, are you, are we, is now, do we get our biblical, like, what, I don't understand what that means. Are we saying Elon Musk is now a born again Christian who now, like, I, I sometimes like to 20, the church in 2023 and 2024 is just so bizarre. Like, I, 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 I don't get it. Like, okay. Elon Musk saying it doesn't, one, it doesn't make it true. Two, it doesn't make it even, like, I don't even know what that's supposed to do for anyone. Okay, all right. Let, let's see. So they're, they're going to do Psalm chapter 8. So we'll, we'll just, we'll get to Psalm chapter 8. That, this is, 
Well, we, we have to, oh, we're going to have to do, I want to stop right now and just say, let's figure this out. But we'll, we'll, we'll focus on Psalm 8. We're going to get Brother Don up here read those verses. And I appreciate him doing it. You can hear the kid running all over the place. You can just hear the... The kid's just running all over the place. I don't understand. This is like chaos to me. It's like chaos. So I don't know what all of that was. That literally had nothing to do with the actual message. That was kind of, I guess, their greeting. Now someone's going to come read Psalm 8. Maybe we can see then how they're going to approach Psalm 8. The devotional didn't really give us, the, they didn't really explain the meaning of the chapter. You wouldn't expect a devotional to do that. Made some decent points though, but I don't know how they fit in with the overall meaning of the chapter, right? So now we went from Elon Musk. We got some kid running around. Now let's see if we get to the, uh, what Psalm 8 is. I want to thank the Lord, Brother Eddie, for being here this morning. And y'all pray for me that I can read these verses where people can, can understand how I read them. And then, of course, Brother Eddie, he'll break them down when I'm finished. with. we got nine, nine verses this morning. And we're out of Psalms 8, verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Verse 2. I don't understand. What is all the noise going on in the background? I don't get. What is happening? What is that? Wait, I, I, I need someone to interpret the tongues. Okay, I'm okay. I'm joking. All right. Obviously, this is a their approach is is very diff, very just open and free. All right, and for some people, they love that. Um, I think typically people with big families, they don't. They're like, hey, what's the problem? The kids are running around. For me, I would be like, oh. I can't focus on what is happening here. Would shoot. I'm trying to listen. Okay, but all right. So, but from an audio perspective, it is an interesting. It is interesting that from an if you're recording this, it's an interesting choice to record it with all of that going on. From a listener perspective, I don't know. This is just this. Look, has nothing to. Broadcasters can do whatever they want. I'm not criticizing. I'm just making an observation. I'm not criticizing in any way, shape, or form. This is not meant to be criticism. It's just I, I'm trying to get to Psalm eight, and I'm just trying to understand. I'm just I, I have to make these. You know, I'm making the observations as I hear them. The mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thy enemies, that thou mightest. Still the enemy and the avenger. Verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? Verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. And let's see, verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Verse 7. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field. Verse 8. The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. And last one, verse 9. O Lord, 
our Lord. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. That is I think that's kind of cool to me. That I, that kind of I almost got a little emotional there because he seemed a little nervous about reading. Like he's like, you know, pray that I can read these verses right, you know. So I don't know if he either has trouble reading or he's just not confident in reading. But he did a better job than I do because I read way too fast and I skip half words and I do I, who knows what I'm doing when I'm reading, saying things incorrectly. Um, and I and I and I'm not really I, I'm very. I have no problem speaking in front of people. Like I, I've got no problem. Just put a microphone in front of me and I got no problem. But I am a little self-conscious in my reading ability. Um, not that I, I read very well, but I read like like speed reading. So I kind of like when I speed read, I kind of just skip like half word. Like so when, when I read a novel, sometimes I'll read a lot much slower. But and so depending on what I'm reading, it's just like, just like, zzz, zzz, zzz. I like read three or four words, get the basic idea, zzz, zzz, get the basic idea, zzz, get the basic idea. And so when I'm reading publicly, I'll, I, it'll be like, like I'm, 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 I'm reading over, I'm reading through commas. I'm not pausing for a period. Like I'm just like, it's, it's just a mess. It's a jumbled mess. I hate, I hate it. I, I get so angry at myself when I do that, uh, because I, I realize, man, I, I messed that up. So I just, I think that's awesome that someone who f- doesn't feel maybe super confident was like, here, I'm going to read the word of God. That's awesome. May have a little something to do with Psalm chapter eight, maybe in a roundabout way, depending on what we understand Psalm chapter eight to be about. But we're at 40 minutes and we still haven't got anywhere. So let's, yeah, let's, we're, we're not going to allow the Elon Musk and rapture thing to distract us. Let's get to Psalm chapter eight. But that is a warning for all preachers, including me. Sometimes we, we're human beings, right? We're watching things. We're reading things. We hear things. And sometimes when we arrive, especially if you're someone who likes to preach and teach anyway, everything can be a sermon. Every, at least for me, everything can be a podcast ep- episode. Everything can be a sermon. So sometimes when you arrive and you get ready to walk into the pulpit, you may want to mention this. You may want to mention this. You may want to mention this because your mind is filled with a million things you want to talk about. But sometimes that can actually be detrimental because like if I was sitting there I would, I would have to be disciplining myself. I would have, I really would be because I need to focus on the sermon. I would have to be disciplining myself, especially in 2024, 2023, where I have an internet access or a, say if I had a phone to not be back there looking down, not paying attention to the sermon, trying to figure out what in the world did Elon Musk supposedly say? Is this even accurate? Is this true? What is it? Like I would have been so distracted by the Elon Musk comment. Now what I hope I would have done like if I if I if I'm if I'm spiritual, I would have just written down Elon Musk rapture question mark and or I may have put look up and then circle it and then when I got home work on it. I hope I would do that. I hope I would do that. I hope. But sometimes we can throw something out in a sermon that actually distracts from the sermon. Sometimes we can use an illustration that actually takes away from the sermon. I've done it a million times. So all right, let's let's see now. We're about to get to Psalm eight. I'm hoping we we get an idea of what the chapter is about. Finished out what started out. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Donnie. Uh, actually, there's quite a bit mentioned in these nine verses here. I couldn't believe it. I'd be lucky to get through the lesson this morning, I guess. Uh, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Yes, Lord. Uh, Lord, we know in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by Him. Without Him, anything made that was made. 
We know, Lord, the endings of your word gives light. And Lord, your word says, Psalm 68, verse 11, the Lord gave the word, great was the company of those that published it. And Lord, that's what we want to do today. We want to publish the great truths, the great treasures of your word. Thank you for Brother Donnie reading these scriptures. Help us to expound upon yes, them. Lord. In Christ's name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Brother Rue, the missionary that uh, come to our church a while back, uh, he corresponded with us this week. And uh, we had, uh, uh, he showed us a lot of pictures of the work they're doing down in the Philippines. We had a good uh, correspondence. Of course, he's in the Philippines, and I'm here. We're, we're kind of like on Facebook there. He's typing faster than I can. I'm ty- typing like a chicken, <laughs> eating corn, one finger, and I guess he's probably going all at least eight fingers. He's wearing me out uh, on that. But real blessing to hear from him, to hear. Uh, that the Lord's used him down there. They had a new building. They haven't purchased it, but they had about, looked like about 30 people in there. Most of them were young people uh, doing a great work. We pray for Brother Rue, and we thank God for him. And uh, we, we just uh, so glad, even in the Philippines, the Word of God being taught, being preached. Amen. Amen. Verse number 1 in this uh, Psalms, chapter number 8. Uh, I like where it starts out, O oh Lord, our Lord. I'm glad I got in on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, immediately realize he's starting with the verse. He doesn't say, all right, Psalm chapter 8 is a psalm of David. We This is what we know about the historical setting. And this is what we feel is the main theme. Of the. This is what we think the thesis is of this chapter. Or this is what we think the chapter is about. Because you would want to establish what you think the chapter. Now, what I sometimes like to do. Now, he may do what? Because I do this a couple of different ways. Sometimes I like to tell everyone, this is what the chapter is about. And then try to demonstrate that's what the chapter is about by going through the verses and putting them together. A lot of times what I like to do is not tell people what the chapter is about and then see by working through the verses if we can establish what this chapter is about. Sometimes I like to put forth the hypothesis and then prove it. Sometimes I like to not give any hypotheses, just go through the chapter and then see, okay, what was the chapter about? And then there are times that I'm just as guilty as everyone else, that I'm just, I get so focused on the individual parts that I forget to remind and refresh and to place before our minds over and over and over, this is what the chapter is about. What we're looking at and what we're considering is how do you understand a chapter? We're building from what we did last night and Psalm 8 has been the, the Psalm today. So let's see how he's going to build this. And if we're going to get anywhere close to understanding what the chapter is about, or is he going to so elevate the individual parts that we never even get close to knowing what the chapter is about? Let's see. He's just started right from the first part. Oh, Lord, our Lord. And then he's like, I'm glad I got in on it or something to that effect. All right, here we go my Lord. I mean, he was Lord before I was ever born. But I got born again April 27, 1988. Now he's my Lord. And how excellent uh, is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. We'll be a while in verse number one. But the Bible talks about talking about Jesus. That uh, he's highly exalted. He has a a highly exalted name in Philippians chapter 2 verse number 9. Uh, his, his name is so exalted 
that the Bible says that in His name every knee will bow. I didn't bow my knee. Every tongue will confess. I done confessed that He's Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. But uh, here in uh, verse number nine of Philippians chapter two, wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him. Now. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ right here. And given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, I'm glad it filled in that blank right there. Uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And they should. I did. I was late, but I got in. Age of 34 years old, I got in. I bowed my knee. And uh, things in heaven... Things in earth and things on the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is not only Lord but He's my Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know a lot of a lot of heretics uh, down here teach a lot of heresy. I corresponded with a few of them last night on the internet. Uh, just ungodly heresy. Just. Just really strain, worse than strain that swallow camels. I mean, just deny the very existence even of Jesus. But uh, we're talking about the King of Kings. Revelations 19, verse 16. Uh, you know, in uh, John 19, 15, uh, the Jews, well, as the chief priests and scribes, they said, we have no king but Caesar, a lot of people are like that. They, they don't want nothing to do with this Jesus. They don't want to hear it. They don't want a gospel track. Uh, you give them one of these, they'll, they'll throw it down. Uh, one of the guys over at Bethel Baptist Church, Tracy Cook, they gave him a gospel track and he just put it in his mouth and eat it. Now Tracy got saved. But he said, I'm sorry that I haven't had so little regard for the opportunity or the invitation to have a home in heaven, to have my sins under blood. But king of kings. This now, th- what he's doing here is, is kind of common. Even, even for pastors who are much more, I don't know what would be the word, exeg- well, much, much more trying to put everything in its proper context and build a structure. He's just kind of like, hey, this says Lord, it says name. Let's go to Philippians, it says name. Now, okay, now Jesus is the name. I, I like you just kind of almost like kind of a I don't know how how you would describe this. I don't know how you would describe this. Just grabbing little phrases from each verse and then just running with that almost like in a topical way. But even pastors who are much more trying to say, "Hey guys, this is what the chapter is about. This is the, this is the context." It becomes inevitable because we start breaking it down into smaller sections that the chapter's meaning as a to- and the totality gets covered up gets gets hidden and that's what i'm trying to 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 show you preaching inevitably can do that so we've got to do better and again you should always start with the whole and then go to the part but i mean so even if you go to the part you're building to the whole however you do so but for your own sake please You've got to make sure you understand the chapter or you're just randomly taking verses and what he may be saying some things and attaching these things to things that may be nece- that may be true but they may not necessarily be what this chapter is trying to say and its totality. 
So what is the, what are the, what is the verse trying to say? As first and foremost, in light of what the chapter is trying to say, how does it build to the overall meaning of the chapter? A lot of kings down here. There's people down here that really actually think too much of themselves. They were they were gold nexus, brother Eric. They got diamonds on every finger. They got Mercedes Benz. They got Rolls Royces. They got mansions. And as far as the world's concerned, they live like kings. Uh, their worth would be considered to be, you know, a king's ransom. But we're talking about the king of kings. Those kings will bow to this king. This is the king of kings. But he's also the Lord of lords. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 6 verse 13. When God couldn't swear by no greater, he swore by his own name to Abraham because it don't get no greater than God. But, uh, you know, the Lord of lords. Uh, Lord is someone that's over something. He's Lord of it. He, he's over all. Uh, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, I hope I can find this verse. He's uh, Somebody wrote a song, Christ is all. And I, I'm going to guess that, that maybe they got that thought from this scripture here. In Colossians chapter 3. So we just... I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say here. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this kind of preaching, right? You just grab a phrase and then you just take off. You just take off. Now, everything he's saying about the phrase and, and about Christ may all be true and praise God that it's true. Praise God that it's true. But for our, for what we're trying to accomplish is I'm trying to challenge you to see, and maybe, maybe this is actually working as a good example. Here's preaching. And, and even though something maybe said is true, you're still maybe getting further and further away from the meaning of the actual chapter because he's so focused on the individual part. See if I can find it here. Christ is all. Hold on a minute. Well, blind Eddie. Blind Bartimaeus. But he's all. All and in all. I'll find this here in a minute. It's a lighter part of a verse right here. Maybe it's in Colossians chapter 2. I thought it was in Colossians chapter 3. I think he wants Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Maybe maybe he was looking for that. And, uh, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Or... I wish somebody in the church would help him out. <laughs> I wish someone would help. Look, that's happened to me when you're up there and you're like, I know there's there's this verse somewhere and what I and you don't know what to do. Oh, I hate that. I feel bad for him. I feel now I'm like I'm I'm feeling bad. Like I'm getting embarrassed for him. It's got is it is that the one he's looking for? All right, let, let's see. Let's see if he finds it. Let's see if he finds it. But maybe it is in chapter 2. Let me look over here. I didn't found it yet. 
But someone wrote a song, Christ is all. And He is. Seems like it's verse 37. They didn't have many verses in there. There's not a verse 37 in the book of Colossians. If my, um, yeah, there's 29 and 1, there's 23 and 2, there's 25 and 3, and there's 18. So, yeah, I, unless he's thinking of another book. Is he thinking another book? Hang on, let me, let me, let me see here. Let me see here. Now I'm curious to see if I can figure it out. Now I, I'm going to, I'm going to do something, right? You see, I don't think there's a verse. Hang on. Yeah, I don't think if you just type in Christ is all, I don't think you're going to get that exact phrase. Uh, oh, Colossians 3.11. Colossians 3.11 is what he's looking for. Uh, Colossians 3.11. Where, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uh, circumcision nor uncircumcision, uh, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all. And in all. That's what he's looking for. Colossians 3.11 is what he's looking for. Now, I would just strongly recommend if you're a pastor in 2023, you have to have a mobile device. You have to have a phone. Just have the Blue Letter Bible app and just type in the phrase. And there, there, you, there you go. So there, there it is. So we'll see if someone in the church will help him. Someone in the church, use your phone. <laughs> use your phone. Right, that, that's why, said, look, if I can't find it, that's why I look at my congregation. Like everyone grab their phones, turn to the Blue Letter Bible app, and let's look for it. All right, so, all right, let's see if he can find it. There it is. Verse 11. Colossians chapter 3. But Christ is all and in all. Not only is he all, but he's in all. In him we live, move, have our being. He's Lord of all. And he's the reason everything exists. The Bible says, you know, in him we live and move, have our being. I guess some kid now got hurt in the background. It sounds like he's yelling and screaming. What is happening? What is happening here? What is happening here? Okay. Well, all right. We're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of time. But okay. I, I Okay. I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad. I truly feel bad, right? Because now at this point, just doing all of that, he's got to be now so distracted. I don't know if he's even going to get back to Psalm 8, but clearly this is serving as an example. Now, this may be an extreme example, but I'm telling you, it's so easy to get so focused on the individual parts. We don't know what the, the, the chapter is about. We have to figure out what is Psalm 8 about as a chapter. Then how does these individual parts fit in? How does the individual parts fit in? Is the chapter about, um, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name above all the earth? Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Since that's how it begins and ends. So the it's the greatness of God. But within the chapter, there's these other things that aren't as great as God. So how did these other things fit in with the greatness of God? Now, we got a possible interpretation last night when we uh, look, listened to that discussion about how to understand a chapter of the Bible. But... um 
So, I mean, right now he's just, well, I mean, I, I think what, I mean, I hope at some point he'll say verse one is repeated basically in verse nine and verse one and nine is the key verse to understanding the chapter. So what this chapter wants to do is establish first and foremost, the greatness of God, right? And that his glory is above the heavens, right? Um, and oh, uh, well, how, there's just a part of it. Uh, verse one, part of it is, is repeated in verse nine, but that our Lord is excellent as your name and all the earth, that his glory, he is exalted. He's above all. Like that's, that's the key. Now, everything else must fit somehow to that theme or to that overall idea. Maybe he's going to establish that. That's also in Colossians, Colossians chapter number one. I mean, the whole world exists just because of him. In Colossians chapter 2, um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, by him were all things created, they're in heavens, they're in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and this is real important here, and he's before all things, and by him all things consist. I mean, there wouldn't be nothing without him. He made it all. He's Lord of all. And I'm glad he's my Lord. Amen. Amen. There's just no removing the name of Jesus. You know, the world cannot contain all the things that Jesus did while on this earth. The Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 25. John said, you know, uh, there's just no room to put all what Jesus did uh, in, in the writing. Uh, you know, we got a Bible here, 66 books. But uh, he says in the last verse of the Gospel of John, there are also many other things which Jesus did, but which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Uh, songs have been written about him. Books have been written about him. Testimonies have been given <coughs> about Jesus in this world. And uh, I was looking on the internet last night. Sometimes I stroll on there a little bit. But there were several testimonies of people that had died and went to hell. And you can take it to whatever it was, but in their, their mind they went to hell. And one of them was an atheist. And uh, he had took a gun and uh, he, he'd shot himself out on his chin. Somehow he lived. Showed a picture of me pretty mangled up. But he said, in hell, he said, I cried. That's what Jonah did. He said, out of the belly of hell, I cried. And uh, somehow he said, God heard me. and said, I'm going to give you one more chance. Now look, I'm not going to argue with that one way or the other. Uh, I'm glad I'm saved. Hell ain't got Okay, I, I don't know where that's... I don't know what that, any of this has to do with Psalm 8. Now, it... It, there he, you could talk about he's saying some great things about the greatness of God and the greatness of Christ and he's exalting Christ and praise God for that. That I'm, I'm not here to criticize that. I'm just showing you that this is this is just one. This may be the extreme, 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 extreme example of how preaching is is distracting from the actual meaning of the text. What is Psalm eight about? The chapter. The chapter. What is the chapter about? The meaning of the chapter. And then when you read verses about the meaning of the chapter, once you establish that, then when it says, 
out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. What does that have to do with the overall meaning of the chapter? Well, once you understand the meaning of the chapter, then you would have to interpret that somehow to be consistent with the meaning of the chapter, or you just completely interpret separate from the meaning of the chapter, and maybe it would actually even, you could end up actually reaching a conclusion that's in disagreement with the meaning of the chapter, which would then be a really broken hermeneutic. I don't, I, I, I'm, we're 63 minutes, so we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop. I'll let, I'll let him at least finish that point that he was making. I'll, I'll let him finish and then you can go download and listen to the rest. Let's at least finish the point he was making. Got no dominion over me. Death ain't got no dominion over me. I'm not worried about death. I'm not worried about hell. But this man was an atheist. In Luke chapter 16, the probably the clearest description of hell, the man in hell said, Send someone to my five brethren that they may warn them not to come to this dreadful place. And you know, this man called upon him through some mercy. I don't know. Uh, according to his testimony, he had the effects of the fact a man, uh, a miracle to be alive. I mean, he had severely disfigured himself, and he's praising God every breath. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You can take that for whatever it is. But uh, you notice also in verse number one. Amen. No. Thou set thy glory. <laughs> You hear a woman saying, no, no. And she's not talking, she's not talking about the sermon. She's talking to one of the kids. I, I don't know. It's total, complete pandemonium is what it is. Okay. All right. Um, he's going to, he's going, I'm just going to let him see if he can at least finish verse one. I, this kind of preaching, which is, look, a lot of people love this. Look, people love this kind of preaching more than they love mine. I can guarantee you that these churches, he's probably got more people there than are in my total, total church. I'm telling you, my way is definitely not the right way because as, as far as humans are speaking, because I would, I would never approach it this way. And, but people like sermons. More than they would like me going, okay, guys, we've got to figure out what is the meaning of Psalm 8. Let's work on it. And then we would do this like some would say, it's like a seminary. It's like a university. And I don't like that. It's where's the gospel? You're not preaching. I've heard all the criticism so many times. Like it's just ad nauseum by at this point. So and I understand my way didn't work. I, I had a vision for how I wanted it to work. It didn't work. I understood it. It, it. My my approach was a failed attempt. But I just know this. What other ways may be more successful, but I stand my ground that what we should be trying to do is understand the text. And we need to stop. We need less sermons and more attempts to understand the text. I will stand by that, even though clearly most people don't want what I provide. And I understand that. And that's okay. I don't even criticize it anymore. Like, I just, I just think that I... I th- I'm going to stand by what I believe to be the way it should be handled, and everyone else will will continue down the sermon direction. But I think sermons and inadvertently have a way. Now, this is an extreme example, but I think there's other examples the same thing can happen. Someone will say, we're going to go verse by verse through Psalm 8, and maybe they're in it for four, four months or two months or, or three weeks. Are you going to really, when you're done, understand the chapter, or are you going to understand the individual parts? Let's see if he can just finish this up really quick. Above the heavens, the heaven of heavens cannot contain God. That's what Solomon said. Mm-hmm. But he's put his glory above the heavens. And uh, 
I think it's in uh, Psalms 40. Let me see if I can find this. Come on in here. Yeah. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Every time you look up there, you're not only looking at the glory of God, but you're looking at His handiwork. You're looking at the results of something that He done so that we could not miss the fact that He created the heavens and they declare His glory. Thou hast set thy glory above the heavens. You know, uh, the sun defies science. One thing I paid attention to in school, Brother Eric, was science. I was interested in science. And I did. I learned a lot about science. I had a desire to be a scientist. I mean, I had my own laboratory and everything. I didn't blow the house up like burning down. I didn't blow it up. But I, I was very... I was very interested in science. Very. I paid a lot of attention. I still remember all my teachers' names. Uh, <clears throat> but one thing about I learned about science, a fire has to have fuel, has to have ignition, and it has to have oxygen. That's right. And you can cut off any one of those three and a fire goes out. You cut the oxygen off with a fire extinguisher, that carbon dioxide cuts the oxygen off, fire goes out. Right. You cut the fuel off. I mean, I've got propane heat in our house right now, but you cut that valve off, Donnie does too, you cut that valve off, that fire will go out. Amen. But before that fire ever come on, you can have the fuel, and, and you know, you can have everything all set up. you got to push a button, and you got to ignite it for it to burn. Now, the sun's up there where there is no oxygen. That's right. Mm-hmm. They have to have space suits to go up in outer space because they got to have oxygen. They don't. Man don't live without oxygen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ain't gonna make it too far without it. You cut off his breath. The Bible says uh, also in the book uh, Psalms. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it's at. It said thou cut us off their breath and they die. Got to have. God gave Adam the breath of life, and he started living, became a living soul. But you cut off that air. Man can't live. So when man goes into outer space, he got to take oxygen with him. Man goes down in the ocean, he got to take oxygen with him. He ain't going to make it. I don't have gills. Uh, I have to come up like a whale and breathe. Amen. But anyway, that sun's up there with no oxygen, no fuel, no spark. That sun's up there because God said, let there be light and it will sow Mm-hmm. That sun's been up there. I don't know how old this planet is, but I'm gonna say it's somewhere around seven thousand plus years. I don't know, give or take a little. God knows. Right. But I'll tell you what: the one put that light up there, best light ever. My camera works so much better. I'm not quite understanding. It defies science because for it something to burn, but the sun is not burning, right? It's not burning like we would think of paper burning. It's it's isn't it like nuclear fusion that's taking place, right? Like I, I'm not quite understanding what and what does that have to do with Psalm eight? Like I, I'm not I'm not quite. The sun doesn't burn the way we think of burning, right? Am I, am I wrong or am I? Or did I miss something in science? With that light, 
than it does with the lights we got in the house. I'll take a picture with the light in the house. He'll still take a picture, but it ain't real clear. I can go outside, Brother Mitchell, and take a picture, and that, it's perfect. My eyes see better outside in the daylight than they do with a car light at night or with a flashlight at night. But the heavens, they make a declaration that God put that up there. Uh, not only that great light, the sun, that lesser light, the moon, which is not a light at all. It just reflects the great light. That's what we do. We're the lesser lights. Okay, I, I, I don't know what to say there. Uh, like, like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. That, that, that was, that was the second. We didn't get to the third uh, of my random messages I picked on Psalm eight for today for Psalm eight day. So I don't know what to tell you there. But what I will say from this, I'm not here to criticize it in any way, shape, or form. That's their approach. Great. I have a different approach. That's wonderful. I've already said my approach is not the popular one. My approach is the minority of the minority of the minority. And everyone who uses a different approach has far greater success humanly than I will ever have or ever will. And that's perfectly okay. I've learned to just accept that. Where maybe younger I wouldn't have been, but now I just accept it. The point is, we have the Bible, and the Bible's broken down into chapters. Whether we like it or not, it's broken down into chapters. And those chapters is a section. And we, so many times, when we, we preach the, when we preach from the Bible, or teach, or study it, or devotionals, we look at the individual verses. We may even look at sections. But what sometimes is forgotten is, what does the chapter actually mean? What does the chapter mean? And so many times we have these interpretations of verses that I think in many cases are not in agreement with what the chapter is actually saying. I've already showed you in Matthew 24 where people completely ignore the fact that that's a chapter about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. The context is clear. And there's so many other examples where people are like, well, that's that's Paul talking about spiritual Israel. I'm like, well, the whole chapter is about him about him telling Israel that God is not done with Israel. Like, like what are you talking? Like, there's so many times. And, and, and we, we see that in and Jeremiah, where people are like, oh, God is telling us he knows he has a plan for us to bless us. I'm like, no, that's a chapter about God giving promises to those coming out of Babylonian captivity. Over, and over, We have to know what the chapter is about. So Psalm 8, since that was used yesterday, that's what I wanted you to do today. I don't know what your sermons were like. Did your sermons take the totality of the chapter and you now know what Psalm 8 is about? Or did it get bogged down? into a section that then becomes almost a topical message in and of itself, even though it claims to be expositional. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I, I don't... like. I, and go listen to that, though. It's called Teaching from the Psalms. Was it Landmark Baptist Church? I want you to finish it. Please finish it. By all means, we want these people to get the downloads. We want them to get the downloads. Um, teaching from Psalms, exclamation point, Landmark Baptist Church. All right. Um, published December the 17th, 2023. There you have it. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may have to. We may have to do some more work on Psalm 8. We may have to do some more work on Psalm 8. But that, that's just, I, in some ways I'm frustrated that, by that, but in other ways I'm happy with that because that's in a good example. That's, that again, that's not, that's an example 
on, you know, on steroids. That's an example exaggerated, but it's, but it, but it demonstrates what can happen in a sermon. You just get caught up in these individual parts, these individual parts. People can get caught up in Psalm 8 with, um, I mean, just look here. Let me look here. Let me go to Psalm 8 really quick. Um, because I, I can give you, I know what a lot of sermons turn into. And I, I, I bet you, some of you even heard sermons that did this today. Psalm 8. I grabbed a different Bible, right? Um, so it, uh, look, uh, okay, here we go. Verse four. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Now, a lot of people will get caught up in that phrase, son of man, may do an entire sermon about somehow the son of man, Jesus, prophecy connected to this. And I'm not saying that that's completely wrong. I'm not saying that. People keep, I think people are going to misunderstand. What I'm saying is, but you have to understand whatever is being said there in light of the meaning of the chapter. What is the chapter about? And I'm going to try to, I'm going to emphasize that throughout uh, at least the early parts of 2024. I'm going to be emphasizing that over and over and over. And I'm going to try to do better. I was trying to do that today with the lectionary readings in our lectionary series, uh, which First Samuel, Mark chapter 1, and I think it's Psalm 70 today. I don't remember top of my head. Um, and I'm trying to like, okay, I want to look at these individual parts, but what does the chapter mean? And so I'm going to try to challenge us to do that. And you're going to hear me doing that a lot over the next, I don't know, couple of months until we really become, we all work together to become better at it because I know I need to get better at it. All right, there you go. Thanks for listening. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That was interesting. <laughs> that was interesting. That's all I can say. You let me know your thoughts. God bless.